Hi, hi. Uh, so we're doing a recording for the free talk show. Right. A talk show that talks to people who care about software freedom. And to start with, I wanted to ask you, uh, how did you get involved with free software and what does software freedom mean to yeah. you? You know, Abbas, when uh, this is like late, mid, mid-90s. See, I've been a journalist all my life and uh, I understand how crucial information is and how crucial the flow of information is and how, you know, kind of dastardly blocks on information can be. So this idea of free software was something that caught my mind, you know, maybe in the mid to early mid 90s. I'm not a techie, even till today, I cannot install a single Linux distro. But the moment I saw it, you know, I said, wow, what a great idea making software shareable. I think knowledge should be shareable, software should be shareable, seeds should be shareable, books should be shareable. Even as a journalist, our work should be shareable. Okay, we all need to live, so maybe I have to sell it the first time. But then I should negotiate whoever with the publishers or whatever to put it out there. And it is possible to do it. I've been sharing all my work and it has helped me so much by sharing. Although it may seem ironical, I say that what I've given, you know, into sharing is about one hundredth of what I've received. So for me, sharing is terribly important. I understood the implications of uh, sharing software immediately, but I was not in a position to implement it even by way of setting up my own comp at home, which my friends did for me. And I'm happy to say that from maybe 99 or 2000, I've been using GNU Linux one brand or the other non-stop without losing a single byte of data, bit of data. And, uh, you know, very happy about using it, hopefully contributing back to the community, doing what I enjoy, writing about nice people, you know, writing about positive stories, how young Indians, mostly young, have been, mostly guys, unfortunately not enough women are getting noticed, have been contributing to this change in the world of software. So, you know, you started by saying that you like it if information is free and, yeah. you know, that's one of the things that brought you to, you're close to the free software movement. But not everyone thinks about it so mm. much. Or not people put in, people don't put in so much thought. Yeah. So how, how do you think people can discover this value of free sharing yeah. of information, you know, software is information in that sense. How do people realize or come, arrive at this sort of a clarity on their own if they're not used to thinking about this or caring about it so much? You know, Abbas, I think we are brainwashed by the corporate, you know, mainstream models of copyright, of wanting to protect, of wanting to cash in on what we, the, the intellectual products, quote unquote, which we supposedly quote unquote own. Mm. You know, but that's a big myth. Uh, you know, all our knowledge is based on the backs of others. Exactly. Nothing is original in that sense. Yes. No? Uh, if, if, if I can say something, if I can speak in a language, it's because someone else has taught me to do it and I've learned from someone else. And uh, the facts I've collated are from, from all over the place. And, you know, so I grabbing it and, you know, this myth of the sole inventor, the sole genius and all that's something I don't really believe in. And the other argument is that when you share, it's not that you're giving away something, your blood or your wealth or something which you don't, which you're going to be deprived of. You know, as the saying goes, two boys have a toy. They exchange their toys. Each boy still has one toy each. Two boys have an idea. They exchange their ideas. Each boy goes home with two ideas. So, you know, the wealth is growing. The, 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 the knowledge is growing. The pool is growing. By sharing, you're not losing anything, especially these intellectual products. See, when it comes to hardware, when it comes to scarce resources, then maybe a different, uh, different paradigm applies. 
you know but uh, when it comes to knowledge software all these kind of things there's no scarcity really and i think you know f- uh, free software is is quite a miracle if if i can use religious terms i'm not religious but you know it's quite a miracle that they, that people like stallman and you know people who followed him have managed to work it out and build something which is better than the quote unquote real thing come come which is quote unquote better than the real thing if you want to quote unquote no if you want to call microsoft the real thing so it's that incidentally i have a small joke you know uh, in the bible the first free software miracle is there <laughs> so again i said i'm not religious uh, so when christ goes and converts two bread and five fish or whatever it is i don't know the exact number uh, into enough food to feed the multitude now there is a free software explanation for that a simple logical rational explanation for that so there were these guys who were holding their food and then they saw some of them taking it out from their pocket so when someone starts sharing then everyone starts sharing and this is not a, a intellectual ideological you know intangible product it's something very tangible so everyone starts sharing and they end up with basket loads of extra food like so no in those days it's explained as a miracle but there is a free software rational explanation to what could have happened and i'm saying you know that apart can we repeat can we repeat these uh, these uh, ways of doing things in a country like ours which needs it so badly and many parts of the world still need no i mean like there's scarcity all around people don't have enough so can we be more liberal in sharing and everyone gain yeah so there is this ideological perspective to free software mm-hmm. and there's a technological perspective yeah uh, in my perspective ideology drives what technology you use but some people also come at it the other way yeah. they start with technology and then they discover the ideology so you started from the ideological perspective mm-hmm. am i right you know we to be very honest in the 70s there was a lot of student ferment so we are part of that so we in those days especially in our younger days even now we look at the politics of every situation so i would naturally be more convinced by something political by something ideological though the fact is most i'm not a techie most indian techies are not very political and uh, they don't uh, you know like to discuss politics except now it seems to be changing where many people in the aadhar campaign are protesting about this uh, 12 digit identification number and the privacy issues around it and all that they are all free software many of them half of them one third of them are uh, free software open source guys so they are getting political but uh, in india the thing is not to see the politics of technology whereas the full free software movement you know stallman and that famous printer getting stuck and all it tells you that you know people there are really thinking about what is the politics of technology and i don't think we can ignore the politics of it at all because it's getting so and so more powerful now even the people we vote for the elections are manipulated in way of by way of facebook and uh, you know cambridge analytica and it shows you that technology is not neutral so so you know you may think it's neutral but it cannot be it has a very political role so you better understand that role before before it subsumes and overtakes you yeah there is this classic quote attributed to stallman saying that uh, value your freedom or you will lose us lose it teaches history don't bother us with politics teach say those who don't want to learn to <laughs> Okay, so let's let's reflect back to the early stages of the free software movement yeah. in India. Yeah. And you know, you were actively trying to connect people yeah. and share information, uh, sort of inspire and support people to keep yeah. doing what they were doing. Yeah. So, give us an idea of what it was like at that time. What yeah. drove? What was your perspective of what drove people to do the things they were doing? Yeah. You know, ninety-nine to two thousand three yeah. for that time. Yeah. So so you know uh, yeah I got involved around 98 99 took me one two years to actually start getting 
to use Linux and all my members of the group would laugh at me and say, when are you getting started and all. But once I got started, I was fully committed to it, the idea as well as the product and the technology and everything. And it was amazing to see all these young bright sparks from different parts of the country doing all kinds of things. And I'm sure they are there now also, you know, except that for personal and other reasons, I got sidetracked into my own book publishing project and which took a decade of time and things like that but now I'm back on the scene so you know in that sense uh, it was amazing to see all these guys doing amazing things and the mood was so upbeat you know but sometimes I feel that we as a media don't do enough to reflect these stories we don't go out there search for these persons talk to them find them write about them you know one one of the techies uh, was complaining today morning himself about how the media operates to them as if they don't exist as if they're not doing anything and in today's world, if you're not written about, if you're not noticed, you're as good as dead in that sense. Now, so, so we are doing this great injustice to these people who are trying so much. The example of yesterday during our session, this young boy stood up and spoke about the amazing work he had done and mm -hmm. how he was not earning anything from it and it was very difficult. So, so you know, and some, some guy came, came around and gave him a 20,000 rupee a month scholarship for one full year and all that. So, you know, I think the optimism was one that struck me. The abilities of Indians to do it was another. And I always call myself a mix of a spammer and a postman because I love, you know, in those days and now, I love sharing information. So if it's in me, I think information wants to be free. Having the news with you is not enough. So being an alternative journalist, someone who has been freelancing for a long, long time, I'd find channels to push it out on the mailing list were, you know, our targets and some of these guys used to actually get pissed off with me saying that you're posting too much just stop do it less and things like that but anyway it was fun and uh, you know the mere fact of passing the word around being a postman you know helped me so much because other people would give me stories and I got quite an insight into this work so at one stage I managed to uh, convince this NGO called Sarai.net to start their small uh, you know mini uh, fellowship schemes for students to create and donate their free software and then you know it was my dream to write a book on the contours of the free software movement in India I have not yet done it maybe inshallah one day I will do it so all these kind of things were there it was great fun we made a lot of friends learned a lot of technology I always boast till today I say that my claim to fame is that I've got a two-letter Twitter name Twitter handle which is whatever name or handle or whatever account which is just FN okay and uh, I got it because of interacting with 21 year olds like you all and listening to y'all and you know the Indian techie is not the kind of guy who is very expressive he knows his technology very well he will talk he will discuss he will argue but he'll not write it down uh, he cannot explain himself too well like you know he needs an intermediary infomediary in that sense unfortunately but they know their technology well so someday one guy told me try this thing it's called Twitter I said what's it what's it and you know that concept of micro blogging and all we mm. didn't even understand it there and maybe Wikipedia was just getting started so it wasn't this time he said try it yeah just try it so I said okay chalo just try it username FN I got it so I must be one of the six or eight hundred people in the world like with two letter <laughs> Twitter usernames so like you know I jokingly say I learned a lot but the fact is I did gain by rubbing shoulders with all these guys today I miss the 21 year olds uh, I try to, you know, build back the community in Goa. We are just reviving our free software user. So that was going to be my next question. You know, yeah. you con if you contrast what you saw then and yeah. what is missing now. Yeah. And so one of the things you have been looking at doing is reviving yeah. these user groups. See the user Give us an yeah. idea about, you know, what difference you see and how you want to... See, you, you know, I think individuals bring about change. And we had some interesting guys 
Atul Chitnis, God bless his soul, he died very early from uh, cancer and things like that. Who, while no doubt he was a difficult guy to work with at times, but very driven and very passionate about what he believed in. He and people in Delhi and uh, Gopi, uh, Gopi from Ernet and uh, who was this old monk? Uh, Raju Mathur and Atul Chitnis' co-author, this uh, Kishore Bhargav and all these guys. They had, they had their things very clear in front of them. They told us two things. One is set up a user group, call it with a standard name. So across India, we started calling ourselves then ILUG dash city name. Mm-hmm. Okay. So ours was ILUG dash Goa and uh, set up a mailing list, communicate among yourselves, link up at the national level. So when we are having an event in Bangalore, we will invite you. We will help you to find some in a, inexpensive, you know, hostel to stay in. So like the community spirit was very strong then. I think we made one or two mistakes. Along the way, of course, some some people, some of us got caught up in our own things and all that. Uh, we also started arguing that there was no need for, you know, teaching newbies, evangelizing, because enough people supposedly knew Linux. But, you know, when you lose out on the community spirit, it is kind of a drawback and a shortcoming to, uh, you know, growth. So that was what hit us. So any community, something is, there is there has to be something that binds them together. Yeah. You know, the way I look at it earlier, it was difficult to use GNU Linux. Yeah. So the function of an ILUG was problem yeah. solving. You know, yeah. you want to get your graphics card to work, you're not getting your sound card working or you need network. So you mm. need some help with software. Yeah. You go to your ILUG, you can get installation help, driver help, you can get started with things. Then things became very easy. Yeah. So now you didn't need this ecosystem to depend on to solve your problems. You know, internet could solve your problems and so many problems didn't need solving yeah. anymore. Ubuntu yeah. was very popular. So what I'm going to say is that there has to be something which binds that community. Hmm. So maybe is that the reason you think some communities no. died out? No, I wouldn't. Shared? I, I wouldn't think of that. You know, like for example, maybe I'm being simplistic, Abbas, but look at it this way. Supposing we are going for a party. Okay. What is the reason we go for a party? We go for fellowship. We go to meet each other, to talk, to enjoy ourselves, to, you know, share opinion, maybe to have a drink, whatever it is. You don't need a real purpose if your friends, if you share values to be together. You know, I think the user groups really brought us together. We became like a brotherhood, you know, and unfortunately not enough gender diversity in it, you know, which which was a problem. Uh, but the kind of friends that it made us, the kind of interaction we had, the kind of people we got to know, that is lacking today. So without infusing too much external energy, yeah. how do you think these sort of user groups can self-organize again? Uh, what yeah. is it? that would enable people to self-organize themselves into these communities without, you know, someone yeah. sitting and doing it. See, of course, it's distributed. So there's no question of top-down approach. That will not work. Uh, you need, in each group, you need one or two or three persons. Even one would be enough to, who understands the importance of networking and keeping people in touch, sharing useful information. Because if we fall down into a what's-in-it-for-me approach, then, you know, your surpluses are never going to come about. You're not going to be able to share, to give, to benefit, which is what we were doing in large measure in those days. Okay, we may not need CDs today, but there's always something we need. There's always something more that we need, some information we need, some links, some tips, you know, just a good word. Why do we wish people good morning when we meet them on the street? It's not really going to change the quality of their morning or it's not going to confirm the quality of ours. But I think human beings, being social animals, we need and social communities are networked this way. You know, Abbas, after learning from the tech community about these networks, which were mainly email-based mailing lists then, 
we applied it to a whole lot of social networks so we have goanet which is going to complete 25 years next year you know which have been applying the tech philosophy to the social world just to network information sharing yes collaboration right right, right. and from that spins off other projects other initiative other ideas you know so i share my news with someone someone would give me some freelancing work it's not a quid pro quo but it is like i help you you know you've been good enough to help me i help you back and it's amazing the way it works and i think the tech communities were the guys who started all this you know it it was never a social social kind of uh, community thing so you know on a separate note uh, i want to touch upon one another aspect so today there are far greater threats to our technological freedom to our yeah. software freedom it's becoming more apparent also yeah and also because software is everywhere yeah. uh, you know you have software in every type of device and hence unless we choose our hardware carefully we will run out of places to run free software on uh what's your perspective on that and how do you think that connects with the community at large you know yeah. so the the threats are greater the community we have you know you're saying we we're trying to build it again yeah how do we sort of uh, fight to, this new battle of uh, yeah. proprietary software to be very honest uh, you know i don't see myself as being competent to uh, to talk about this aspect because i'm not a techie as i keep saying uh i do appreciate the kind of energies that the techies are putting in at the pan india level also now more than ever before more technical you know more political more capable of understanding these issues so that way there is a lot happening but as you are saying i fully agree with you you know and every 6 months you know every 3 months some shocking tech related dystopian scenario emerges where it becomes so clear of what's going on and you know initially the media and the mainstream will dismiss you saying that you know you all are luddites you all are you know anti development you all have the, all these doomsday scenarios but then it happens it happens so so people are noticing it so do you think it will take a catastrophe to create to to sort of wake us up and become sensitive yeah. to these issues see see again no if you look at it in those days how did free free software start okay it was one man who started so committed so convinced that what he was saying was important and you know people saw rms as a maverick as a kind of you know uh guy who is out of touch with reality and all but history has proved him right so you know you may call this simplistic again but i have great faith in poetic justice and the ability of the world to sort itself out in most cases <laughs> so here also i'm looking that you know along the way more people would realize the dangers then get taken along with it and you don't need large masses to make this point i'm saying julian assange is, is paying the price you know uh, so are the other whistleblowers and people who spoke out but they are there and they've stood on and they've held out to it so they are you know they are the guys who inspire a whole generation more so uh, okay Uh, what advice would you give to say a student hmm. so that they can educate themselves about these ideological concepts yeah. and put in some effort yeah. to you know build their own awareness and put that awareness channelize that awareness yeah. into say technical work or something abas like the starting is just get started no don't worry about the big fears and the big challenges because then you might end up with a conclusion that i'm too small i can't fight them might as well join them you know so at least get started understand the issues 
I think for students, the biggest challenge is how to avoid all this, what we used to call in our days, FUD, fear, uncertainty and uh, danger. danger in that sense or whatever. You know, uh, the FUD factor that makes open source free software look unsustainable, undoable, you know, uh, uneconomical to run. You know, as I was saying yesterday, in the US, they're asking if you do free software, how do you pay your students loans? So that's probably the long question to start with in the beginning, to start with, to ask at all, you know, because uh, the mainstream is telling you, don't do it, it'll not work. Experience is telling you it has worked. It has worked amazingly well. If students can enter this field, if they can get started, the rest will take care of itself. Don't worry about the long term. But what role models uh, do they have? Uh, suppose they look at someone in the community, they look at yeah. uh, Snowden and, you know, you mentioned yeah. whistleblowers. That's a very huge benchmark. Yeah. Right. Everyone can't aspire to that. They yeah. don't even need to aspire to that. Yeah. So, I mean, how do we, how, what is those multiple levels of role models that students can have? So, so start small. That's why I say, you no. Know, I think a country like India, it's crucial for us to document all these guys, to know what they are doing, to talk about them. Not people like me who are documenting the, doc, the doers, but people who are actually doing. You know, so for example, I remember in our time, there were all these young techies, uh, this this young Manipuri boy who who named this software. I'm terrible with names. Sorry, excuse me about it. Uh, he had named this software after his girlfriend. Yeah, I remember. Uh, uh, Nabata or Tabata or something, uh, you know. And there was this Hindu priest from the US who was a Debian hacker in his uh, 30s maybe. Okay, and uh, there were all kinds of bizarre guys from all over the place. And I recently came across this uh, uh, Krishna Krishna Kant who has done, who has written this software accounting program called Nu Katha, G N U K H A T A, who's visually challenged. In fact, he's totally blind. He's got zero eyesight, and he's done this program. And you know, uh, people have not even heard about them. There were there were case studies from across India, and I managed to to do quite a lot of documenting in those days. I feel really uh, like kicking myself for not sustaining it, but I hope to now again. You know, of all these experiments and people don't know that these guys in their own backyard are writing free software. Now, for example, even uh, in Mumbai, uh, Calibre, which is used widely all over the world to read ebooks, to create ebooks, very few people know that it's a made in India product in that sense. No? Uh, even, yeah, our friend who was here today uh, so there are there are in my view when I had counted there were about 40 50 60 of these products all over the country now there was uh, I remember writing this story once uh, India has just discovered its new GNU Linux poster boy and she is a girl <laughs> there was this colonel hacker who at one conference you know gave uh, came and gave this keynote Superna yeah to my being sorry Superna from I think? I'm terrible with names, I forgot. But this was like uh, when, you know, in one of the later years of Atul Chitnis' program. And whatever she said went totally over our head. Like we didn't understand, people like me didn't understand a word about it, but she was apparently so good. Uh, you know, the kind of work that was going on, each one doing a small project as your book put it. But when you add all these things together, it became something really wondrous. And some of these projects are not really small. They are global projects, they are accepted worldwide, but but 
these guys don't get the visibility in our own country yeah so that's been a recurring theme that you know we've been discussing on over right. the past day about how we can connect document mm. so so let's say you have to lay out an agenda that how you know what what can everyone do how, what what one what is the one thing that everyone can do yeah. that will help you do this job of chronicling it or you know not me i don't want to put myself at the center no, of the story two things so yeah just to 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 explain uh, you know the way out one is that techies should write techies speak and in india techies also don't speak most of the time they are very quiet guys the guys doing the real work will be very sub- subdued so they should speak they should write they should express themselves point number 1 we need to build a team of youngsters across the country because you know there were people complaining today to the organizers of this event that no one approached us you know we get boycotted we get overlooked the media doesn't write about us uh, the thing is that every state in india is almost a ecosystem a country in itself like you, know, you know what's going on very well in bangalore but i wouldn't know now if you come to goa you'd get flamax what the hell is going on there we don't know what's going on in mumbai and all these kind of things so so i think that we need to create this talent pool even if you can create a sketch a badly written copy why bad i mean techies are quite smart people they are very smart people in fact so writing should not be a problem but even then there is someone who can knock it into shape all over the place there are these people so can we can we get them to document their experiences and don't wait for the so called quote unquote professional to come and to help you do it yourself start somewhere yeah so if you had to pose one question that everyone could answer in yeah one page yeah and that could be a good way to start writing right. what would be that one question maybe it would be two or three questions like no right, like sure. like maybe what are the key projects free software projects in your state which you are aware of who are the people doing it why you think it's important to, to let's say we had to ask them to write about themselves you know so yeah. what are those one or two things or maybe just to... one thing is that what are your contributions to free software in that sense because people are contributing they don't say they are right you know so it looks at people are doing nothing and then we come up with all these ideas that you know we indians are only suckers we will only take we will not give back it's not true it's not true the same motivations why people are contributing in the west in such large measures they are contributing here as well maybe they are a little bit more resource strapped they were increasingly getting out of it but the motivations are the same i mean how how do you you know do these huge projects if you don't have similar motivations and you know that's a good good uh, occasion to say uh, what advice would you give to someone who's committed to the ideology and but finds mm-hmm. it difficult to sort of uh, hold on to it yeah. because of societal family peer pressure yeah how can how do you think people can remain true to what they believe in, mm. in at varying levels you know yeah. and not give up yeah but we were jokingly saying that the free software guys are the taliban of the of the open source free software continuum in that sense if you want to call it that uh you have to be very uh, you know ideologically rigid so to speak in terms of your commitment like you know my my uh, role model is someone like rms and you know i buy the argument so i would say that even if a product is worse it's not as good as a proprietorial product i would use the open source free software one because it's my commitment to that community now and by using it i'm give, i'm voting with my with every key mouse stroke with every keypad stroke to take it make it one step better so like for example for our books which we were publishing we use only licks only licks absolutely only licks and someone told me he said you're a commercial firm using licks i said yeah we are commercial but we are small i said we are quite small 
He said, in that case, even in that case, you might be the only firm in the world using licks to produce your books. And I told him, it doesn't matter. It's world class. Like, no, I mean, the neatness you get. The learning curve is there, no doubt, no denying it. But once you enter that, the kind of result you can get is amazing. Now, the printers look at our books and say, how neatly it's produced, like in that sense. Most. Except when we no, were so, Well, my question was that, how does someone remain motivated? I mean, so, so, so you have to be strong ideology and you know, yeah. being rigid is one part. But what if yeah. you can't be rigid? See, there is always practical, pragmatic mm. aspects of your life yeah, uh, which threaten your ideology. A lot of guys so have got caught up to get into conflict. Caught up with the world of work, you know, in that sense. See, Abbas, you and me are our own bosses, so we can determine what we do and all. Some people say like we would like to work in free software, but we can't because this is our environment, you no. Know? In that sense, I know people who have tried, who have struggled, no? There was this, uh, there is this prof in Goa University, a friend of ours, whose son learned free software open source and implemented it in the language lab there. Mm-hmm. No, so, so like, uh, he's ideologically disposed to it. We need more people to support it. We need, see, the ecosystem has to be built. And I think this was an issue which was understood 20 years back, but not so much now. You can't have bits and pieces, islands of floss or foss. And the rest, you know, expect it to work somehow. So we need, we need numbers, we need critical mass, we need the ecosystem, we need everything together. We need the determination, the, 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 the kind of, you know, uh, what should I say, the ideological uh, commitment, but also the technical, technological ex- uh, excellence you know, to show that this is what can be done. Okay, you show us what, what proprietary software has achieved for India. It has achieved large num- amount of software exports and big export earnings. But we can show you what uh, FOSS has achieved also. Which may not be quantifiable in money terms as yet, but you'll see it. I think that's an excellent message. So how do people, how can people reach out to you? And I'm always open. I'm always open. I'm a big time spammer. So if you Google for me and uh, search for me, you'll find my email addresses. Uh, most of them work except... Uh, the earliest ones, bytes for all doesn't work. But uh, Frederick Norona two F R E D E R I C K N O R O N H A two number two at gmail dot com. Twitter catch me on Twitter just F N very easy to remember. Yes. Into R M S style I've copied it, uh, reduced my name to my initials. I'm there. Uh, on on the phone I'm not so much of a phone person. Not that I don't like phone calls, but no, no, that's that's perfect. So any last bit of advice that you would want to put up pitch out and. Close. Uh, go for it. You won't regret it. No doubts. It's an amazing journey. But how you sail is as important as where you arrive. And I'll tell you, this full journey is something that is priceless in terms of the friends you make, the knowledge you get, the the type of things you can achieve, the the depth you can achieve in different spheres. Uh, free software open source thinking is not something that applies to software alone it can apply to journalism it can apply to law it can apply to biology it can apply to libraries it can apply to every sphere in life and the challenge is whichever field you are in it can apply to teaching yes so you know the students can contribute to creating a class as much as they can contribute to as much as they are supposed to suck in information I've seen it in my limited experiences and things like that. Uh, Experiment with it. Play around with it. This is not the end of the story. This is the beginning of the story. Uh, I think countries like India have a huge role to play in global computing. If we play our cards right. 
if we are not passive consumers and everyone you know this divide between consumer and and producer that's what force has often spoken about we need to bridge it everyone should aim to be a producer of something not a consumer that's the easiest thing in the world to do excellent thank you so much fred thank you thank, thank you, you for all your time and for listening to all the guessing that i've done so far <laughs>